Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode three of Who Can It Be Now with Marilyn Aloria. I am your host, psychic medium, teacher, and coach. And I have to say, I'm having a lot of fun sharing these stories, and I hope that you're enjoying them too. If you are, please do subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. So today we're going to be talking about clairvoyancy, clear seeing. And what's been so challenging for me in this podcast, I'm really loving just sitting down and sharing these stories. And then I'm like, oh man, you got to go back to your journals and really pull out all the fun stories so you could share them and teach the things that were happening to you. And um, I need to make time for that, and which I will. But the other thing I'm loving about it is just revisiting this time in my life because after I've been doing this work for over 14 years. And after doing this work for so long, you forget the excitement. It's like a kid in a candy store. I remember recently I shared um, one of my programs with somebody who was a friend of mine. And she was like, oh my goodness, I got this symbolic meaning. I understand it. I'm seeing the butterflies and I can't believe it. Now I'm seeing them everywhere. And she was so excited. And I just must have been the friggin' pin in her balloon because I was like, oh, that's nice. And I realized it after. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. I just have heard these stories repetitively over and over again. And I've also lived it that you forget it. So take note now of the things that you're happening because you get kind of used to it. It becomes like second, comes old hat. It becomes like a second language, you know? Um, Yeah, sure, I'm excited when I see things, but it doesn't have the same, the same uh, brightness to it because it's now it's just a part of my life. It's how I communicate. It's how I live. It's how I, I function. I wouldn't even think of making a decision without sitting down in meditation and talking to my guides about it. That would be just like insanity. That would just be crazy. Um, so I am loving doing all this with all of you. And I hope ah, that you are gaining some wisdom and some information and some really great, great stuff out of this. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about clairvoyancy, clear seeing, and there are many, many different ways of clear seeing. So you can see um, in different ways, like you could see third eye projection. A third eye projection is as if it's in your third eye, which is your um, behind your brows. That's your third eye. People will have the technical scientific terms. I don't have any of that right now, and it's not going to come to me. It's that space between your two brows. It's back there, but your chakras are like rooms. Really super important to know that. So your third eye chakra, that's where it lives behind your brows. Okay, we'll just say it for that. And somebody else can be like, she's so wrong, but whatever. That's that's where it is for me. It's indigo. And uh, third eye projection is when I'm seeing something projected out in my room that isn't really there. So if all of a sudden I'm in a reading and spirit's showing me a bunny rabbit jumping by, it's a third eye projection because it's coming from my third eye, but it's projected out into the room. It's almost like you're seeing a video of something. It's very one-dimensional. It kind of just sits there. That's third eye projection. The other way of seeing is inside your third eye. So you could be closing your eyes and you could be into that little chakra room and they're showing you symbols or people or chairs or whatever you see in that particular room. Or it could be physical manifestation. And that's when you're actually seeing a person or a physical, um, a per- let's start with spirits, spirits that are deceased. You can actually see the person as if they're alive. So I, I'm going to tell the story about the first time I saw somebody and it was like three dimensional 
as if they're really there. They show up in the physical and then they disappear. And there's other ways too that it could be you're walking down the street. I don't know how many of you had this happen, but it happens to me, happened to me all the time and it happens to me all the time. And you're like, what's that guy doing over there? And then you turn back and it's a lamppost or it's a hydrant. Oh my goodness, it's been happening so much these days again. And I love when that happens because I know I'm reopening up this avenue to deceased loved ones because I kind of stopped doing that for a while and I'll explain that um, later. I know I keep doing that to you and I'm so sorry, but there's so many stories that I want to tell. So anyway, so it could be you're walking down the street and you're like, out of your peripheral, you're like, what's that guy doing there? And then you turn around and it's a hydrant. Well, because your brain says that can't be there. It's not there. So that is actual physical manifestation. Or physical can also be the repetitive symbols you're seeing. I keep seeing butterflies. I keep seeing caterpillars. They're actually in the physical dimension. They are there and you're seeing them repetitively. That is a form of clairvoyancy. I'll give you another form of clairvoyancy. So a lot of this stuff wasn't written when I was, if it was, I wasn't reading it. I was learning a lot of it from some teachers I was going to for sure. And then some books I was reading, but my guides were teaching me a lot. And one day I was in the park and I was running and all I kept seeing were the squirrels. Now I'm in a park. You're like, Marilyn, of course you're going to see squirrels in a park, right? But I'm telling you, it was like the squirrels and I were on a date. You know, when you're on a really, really great date and everything just goes out of view and it's just you and that person you're on the date with and it's like it's just the two of you well that's what it was like for me and the squirrels i was like i was just running and this it was just the squirrels and me and we're having this fabulous date in the park and i'm like all i see are the squirrels 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 and my guides explained to me that's a form of clairvoyancy we wanted you only to see the squirrels so you're seeing them so squirrels have a meaning. It's symbolic language of your soul. And I keep talking about, I mentioned it before, the symbolic language of your soul. This is something I teach in my programs. Um, I have two programs called membership, one's Membership for Your Soul and one's Soul Finder Academy. And I teach people how to get in touch with their gifts. You are the instrument. You are the, the way that you communicate with your guides is not going to be like how anybody else communicates with their guides. You have to learn your instrument so that you can be in this beautiful symphony of your life with your guides. So my guides are always teaching me what these different things mean. And then they teach me the symbolic, they've taught me the symbolic language of my soul, which means what do squirrels mean? Now, of course, there are an incredible um, symbolic meaning books out there. Like Ted Andrews is a book that I used very early on. And of course, you can Google it. But how many times do you Google a symbol and you're like, eh, I'm not too sure. Or I get this one in a lot of my things like, Oh my goodness, I googled the crow and it means someone's going to die. What do I do? And then people get frightened. And I'm like, when I hear the whole story, I'm like, that's not what that's about at all for you. So I teach people how to apply what's going on in their life at the moment and past experiences and everything on how they can be in that symbol and learn what that symbol is because your guides speak to you in vibration. The universe speaks through symbols and vibration. Everything is energy and we interpret it through words. And because we have this whole history and experiences with different symbols in our life, like butterflies and blue skies and rain, our guides are speaking to us specifically through those symbols so that we could understand it for ourselves and understand what it means. So squirrels are a lot about playing. Are you playing enough? Are you having fun? So on and so forth. So those are different ways to see. That's clairvoyancy. Clairvoyancy is an incredibly cool gift. All the gifts can be layered 
on top of each other. I could be having a clairvoyant um, experience, seeing something. But like I've told you before in past, deceased people would come in and I'd feel what they want me to feel. Or I could be hearing what that symbol means. When I first started doing readings, um, I would go into a reading and I'm clairvoyant, clairaudient, claircognizant, and clairsentient. And... Um, and empathic <laughs> and I would go into a reading and I would see a symbol and I'd be like what does that mean like nothing would come after it and I'd be like great and if I said it to the person and they didn't know what I was talking about there would be like you know that dead air so I said to my guides you cannot do that to me in a reading you cannot give me a symbol that's important to the reading and not tell me what it means so we made a deal and they stopped doing that but it's very important if you're a reader to share the symbols because once I was in a reading and the woman's uh, mother came through and she handed me, at the very end of the reading, the mother handed me a banana. And I'm like, I am not going to tell this girl that I have a banana in my hand. But I had to. I made a commitment to say whatever came. And I said, she just handed me a banana to give to you. And she started laughing. And she's like, my mother was always giving me bananas when I was leaving the house. So you never want to question what comes through and stuff if you're practicing to be a reader. But even in your own life, you want to learn your own symbolic language of your soul. So that's laid in clairvoyancy, but you could have clairaudience symbols, you could have empathic symbols. There's so many ways. So we will dive more in, but let's talk about my stories around clairvoyancy. So um, precognitive dreaming is when you dream of something and then it comes true. And I didn't realize this until later on that I was having precognitive dreams as early as around three years old because I used to dream about these little men with no legs and no arms and they were like these little wooden men and they would be stomping on my chest. And it was a recurring nightmare that I had. But usually when I woke up from that nightmare, I had a fever. And when I got older and understood it, I'd be able to say to my mother, take my temperature because I knew I was getting sick. They were showing up and letting me know they were sick. My brothers loved teasing me with all my stuff that when I was younger and I'll never forget one sitting in the bedroom with them and one of them got a gift like these little men and they took them out and they were like, do they look like these, Marilyn? Are they like these? And it freaked me the fuck out and they loved doing that to me. Um, my brothers, I have uh, three brothers, two of them don't really subscribe to what I do. One of them calls me psycho psychic. So I'll probably be sharing a lot of stories from my childhood and they'll be like, that didn't happen or she's crazy or whatever that stuff is. But no matter some of you may relate to this, like, oh yeah, that sounds like my family. I had to let all that stuff go. They are who they are. I love them for who they are, but I'm me and this stuff happened. So that was one of the first precognitive dreams having, but I didn't know that that's what was happening. I didn't, nobody was, my mother wasn't sitting me down going, oh, you're having precognitive dreams. She didn't know either. Although this ability does run in both sides of my family. So it wasn't until in my late twenties, I was living in Soho and I went for a job at NBC Olympics. It's the job I mentioned before. And I didn't get it. They said, you didn't get it. We gave it to Lisa. She took it. And I was like, all right, you know, and I really was working at Fox at that time. And we, I was actually working at Fox before Fox News was around. We were the first, um, first news show. And I wanted to get out of Fox. And I just want, it wasn't a good experience to me, for me. And um, I was like, all right, I'll go freelance. I started making plans. 
and I started making lists of people I knew and planning my exit date from Fox. And I went to sleep and I had this dream that I got the NBC job. And I forgot about it. And I was walking in Soho and I'll, I always remember visually where I was when a real big psychic moment happens for me. It's just, it's a big moment in my, my head. I heard Wayne Dyer explain this too. It, it, he said he remembers exactly visually. It's like a crisp thing where he was when something happened. And I wish I could find that interview and tell you where it is, but I, I don't know where it is. So I was walking in Soho about to step off a curb and I remembered that dream and I went, oh my goodness, that's going to happen. And lo and behold, like a day later, I got the call and they said I got the job and I took the job. And I started learning about, I didn't know that was precognitive dreaming, but I was like, my dreams come true. I've always been an extremely vivid dreamer. I've always been fascinated by my dreams. It's why I studied dreams for quite a long time with someone and analyzing my dreams. Now, that is one of the first places that you're getting the symbolic language of your soul, that things are coming out. Now, there's precognitive dreams and there's psychological dreams. And the way that I understand them for myself and the way that I teach is if it's a psychological dream, I'm usually waking up with an emotional energy, um, sadness, happiness, excitement. There's some type of emotional, psychological component to it. So I have to analyze, if I decide to analyze the dream and then figure out unconsciously what's trying to come up to the consciousness. A psychic dream to me is extremely vivid, extremely crisp. It's got a, a certain crispness to it. It's also got, for me, I describe it as a neutral energy. When my guides talk to me, they're neither high or low, or happy or sad or love or not love. It's very peaceful. And cognitive dreaming for me is very just, it's a knowing. It's just very crisp. It's very there. So those were my precognitive dreams. That was some of them. I have I had more. And um, like when I was working at Tony and Tina's wedding, I met Chris. And there was all this stuff telling people like Chris is not, you know, for you or there's this, there were these rumors around Chris and all this nonsense. And I, like my heart just went to him and we barely spoke. And I had a dream that explained his life story to me and why he was the way he was and why people thought what they thought about him. And I'll never forget when we finally sat down and we were hanging out one night and we talked and he shared the truth with me, his story, and it was everything they told me in a dream. So it's a really incredible gift, and I, I absolutely love it. Another time I had a precognitive dream, I was obsessed with this guy in the park. I was a little bit of a stalker, kind of obsessed. Like, not really, but well, yeah, you know, you know, when you get like, you're like really into someone. They're called energetic relationships, and it can be where you're like having an energy with someone, but you barely even speak to them. So it has to do a parallel time. <laughs> There's so much unpacking into this. You're probably like, girl, will you just get to it? Or can you tell me about that? But anyway, so there was this guy in the park and I was like obsessed with him. And um, I finally found out who he was and I, I kind of got introduced, didn't really get introduced to him, but I knew who he was. And I think I friended him on Facebook and that was like embarrassing. And then um, I had a dream that it was never gonna happen ever. And I was fine. I was able to let go because I was like, Oh, that was a precognitive dream. 
that wasn't a psychological dream. That was, and he was in many of my dreams and he was the type of guy I'd be out at a restaurant and somebody would be saying, who's your true love? And I looked up, I swear to you. And there he was crossing the street and I was like, Oh, you know, that's him. It's him. And then I had the dream and it was like, Nope. And I let it go and it was gone and goodbye. Even unfriended him. Anyway, so those are how clairvoyancy and precognitive dreams can happen. And clairvoyancy can also show up in repetitive symbols. Now I get this all the time with my students, all the time. What does 1111 mean? What does 2020 mean? What does uh, blah, blah, blah mean? 1212, you know? And if you're seeing repetitive symbols, you need to pay attention to them because spirit is communicating to you through those repetitive symbols. It's, I kept seeing 354 everywhere I went, 354, 354, 354. And that was the address I grew up in. And it was really kind of a traumatic, wasn't kind of a traumatic childhood. It was a traumatic childhood. So whenever I saw that number, I was like, oh, fuck, that's not good. And it wasn't until I learned what numbers mean that it actually was a good number for me. It was actually meant to break through an expansion, a growing tool. Something big was going to change. Something good was going to happen because it actually adds up to a 12, which is new beginnings and partnerships, which adds up to threes, which is mind, body, and soul. So it's a, it's Trinity for me, which is, you know, um, mind, body, and soul coming together. So it's a very, very powerful moment. But because I had this association of my house, which is the symbolic language of your soul, but really my whole upbringing was, I don't regret any of it. It wasn't an easy upbringing, but it was an upbringing that brought me to my work today. So it's all powerful. It's all spirit. It's all soul. So that number has an incredible thing for me. So now let me talk about the first time I saw a real deceased person. I was in Baja Fresh and thank you to my guides for showing me it in Baja Fresh because if it was in my living room, I think I would have shit my pants. And I was sitting there talking to this girl and we're having a conversation and I was telling her what was happening to me because this was opening up and it was scaring the crap out of me. and. I didn't know what to do with it. And I was like, I see, you know, people and I, I hear things and I feel things and they shake my bed and they turn on my TV when the TV hasn't worked in years and they lock me in rooms and all this stuff was going on. And she like looked at me and she started laughing and she's like, ha, I see dead people like from the movie, The Sixth Sense, which it wasn't funny at all. I was like really kind of freaking out. And above her head, this head appeared of this spirit and I knew it was her dad because her dad had passed away and I looked at it and it, this one was white so it wasn't like colored in and then it just dissolved and went away and I'm so appreciative that they did that there because if they did it anywhere else I, I, I really at that point in my life I was not comfortable with any of this that was going on. I was intrigued. I knew it was like the piece of the puzzle that I'd been searching for for so long, but excited, no. Calm, no. Happy, no. It was like, I felt so different than anybody else around me at that point that I'm really glad that they did that in Baja Fresh. 
And if those of you don't know Baja Fresh, it's a Mexican restaurant in California. It's got really good ingredients, really healthy, you know, uh, I don't know. I liked it. I don't know what you think about Baja Fresh. So at this point in my life, I saw physical manifestations um, at other times too. And I was told by a medium, and this feels like truth, that if you see physical manifestations in the daylight, it means that you're, (laughs) of course I want this to be true, you're superbly gifted. So when I heard that, I was like, oh, good, I'm superbly gifted. Because at that point when I heard it, I was studying and already a full-time medium. Um, I don't know that that's true, but I really enjoyed hearing that. I really liked it. So I want to tell you the story of the hand. I have so many clairvoyant stories because clairvoyancy was one of the first gifts that opened up for me. So when I was, I'm going to tell you the clairvoyancy story first. When I was studying dream work, I I always knew my dreams were powerful and they were trying to communicate something to me, but I couldn't find anybody who could really explain them to me. And when I was 13 years old, I tried to run away from home. And I ran away with two friends and we went to the park and uh, my father found us. And really, we didn't run away, but we, you know, it was one of those teenage moments. And my father had made me go to therapy because he had recognized that something was wrong and I'm very grateful for him for that. And my father is, my father's no longer with us, but he is, was the cause of a lot of my trauma. And, uh, so I went to a therapist and all I wanted to do was talk about my dreams because they were horrific. They were nightmarish. I had psychic dreams that I didn't know was psychic dreams where I would levitate out of my body and float around my room. This was a recurring dream and something was trying to get me and catch me and I'd wake up screaming and crying. I was terrified. I couldn't sleep at night because spirits were trying to communicate with me and I didn't know it. So I'd be taking like NyQuil to try to get some sleep or my mother would give me an antihistamine to try to get some sleep. It plagued me like crazy. So dreams were always, always fascinating to me. They, they were just part of clairvoyancy was the, the thing that I knew. So when I started, I know I'm not at the story of the hand yet. When I started studying dream work, I was in my mid-20s. And um, I learned what clairvoyancy was. I went to my first psychic and I sat down with him. And I was studying acting at the time. And again, hoping that I was going to be told that I would be an actress. And instead, I was told I was clairvoyant. But it felt like I came home. It felt like a truth. It felt like somebody lifted the curtain and showed me my life. And I was fascinated by it and wanted to learn more. And I went to the bookstore. And in dream work, the dream teacher I was studying with, she would always try to get me to squat with my feet flat on the ground. And she told me that if I was able to squat, I was in my power. I was in my center. And I would always fall over. Always fall over. And I was in the bookstore and I was reading a book that I found on clairvoyancy. It was such a tiny little bookshelf back then. Like there were barely any books. And I finally found a book on clairvoyancy and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so interesting. And I look down and I'm squatting, feet flat on the ground. And I knew I discovered a piece of me that had been lost for a really long time. So 
clairvoyancy was super, super important to me. But again, I didn't realize what was happening to me as a kid until I got older and realized who I was, until I came home to myself and learned you're a psychic medium, you're a teacher, you're a spiritual person. And I, you know, I, I, I can't say enough with these stories. I am, there's so many of us out there. All of us are gifted. The dimensions are, the veils between the dimensions, they are so thin. Time is so blurred right now. The timelines, time doesn't even exist. And it, when you party out in that area, you start learning more about your own self and your own gifts and you develop them. So when I was about five years old, we lived in a very, we lived in a two family house. We were poor. Um, my mother was a single mother and we weren't getting a lot of child support and she was a teacher and there was four of us and I was the youngest. I had three older brothers and we lived in a railroad apartment and my we had one bathroom for five of us. And anybody who got in the bathroom, you own that bathroom, man. Like it was your gold. You weren't gonna give that up no matter what. And when my brother, I'm not gonna say his name, went into that bathroom, we'll call him brother number two, somebody will figure it out, went into that bathroom, he was known more than anybody else in this family. And until this day, he owned that place like it was his temple. It's it's really funny because my sister-in-law, you know, she sees the traits now and we all went to Germany for their wedding and we laughed so hard about like what the bathroom is, especially to him. He once didn't leave the throne and we all know what the throne is. There was a mouse in there with him and he killed it from that throne. He would not leave it no matter what. So he was babysitting me and I had to go down to the basement to get something and the basement scared the crap out of me. And I was like, will you come with me? And he wasn't gonna leave the bathroom, there was no way. So I went down into the basement. I don't remember what I was retrieving, but I got it. Ran up the stairs and went to close the door and something was pulling it from the other side. And we had a latch on the outside of the door from where I was standing, which was the first floor landing. And I was trying to latch it and close it, but something was pulling it. I could not close the door. And I ran upstairs and I closed the door to our apartment and I ran by the bathroom because my brother's still in it. And I was like, oh my God, I was, he's like, what's the matter? I'm like, there's something in the basement. I was so scared. And I went into the living room and I turned around and a hand came out of the wall. I kid you not came from around the thing and I screamed and my brother still in the bathroom was like what happened and I told him and it wasn't him because he wasn't the type they would play jokes on me but he wouldn't be the type to one if he did that to me he would tell me and especially when my mother came home and I told her the story she would make them tell me because she wouldn't allow that stuff. And they really were protective, especially him. He was very protective of me and took care of me. And um, so he wasn't that type to me. And I was scared that weekend. Of course, back then, you know, I was seeing The Exorcist when it came out at five years old. Like, what? Back, so back then, I'll never forget. And I had the consciousness as a kid to realize this. We were watching a movie, and it was the Vincent Price movie, and it was about a hand that went around killing people. 
And I said, like, you got to be kidding me. And then the weekend after, there was another movie about a hand that went around killing people. And I remember telling my friends this story and being like, and then that weekend, there was a movie about a hand killing people. And then the next weekend, like I knew there was something, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't know. So when you think about the doors later on and getting locked in rooms and the door, something was pulling that door, man. I was using all my weight to close that door. And then the hand came from around the door. They were trying to communicate to me back then. Even then, who can it be now? Who's around that door? Who's behind that door? Oh, we're here. And uh, it wasn't until much later on that I remembered the hand story. And I was like, oh, my goodness. It was happening even back then. Even back then, I could tell what was going on. So you never want to take for granted the visual things that you're experiencing, the repetitive symbols, the dreams that are staying with you even if they're a psychological dream if it's staying with you you're when you're in your dream state your unconscious is coming to the conscious it's pushing the ego out and it's trying to teach you something about yourself and you want to pay attention to it you want to pay attention to what it's telling you you want to pay attention to the times when you're walking down the street and all of a sudden you see that thing and then you turn around and it's not there. I live in um, kind of in the woods now and there was a gargoyle in the tree. Now it wasn't hung there. I could see it. I could see it. And I'm seeing this more and more now and probably because I'm recording this and it's very, very close to Halloween and it's Halloween 2020, which is, <laughs> we all know that year. Um, and I know that even more so than ever, they so want to make their presence known. I also know when I say time is blurring, we are jumping dimensions. Time is not linear and we live a linear time frame. But when we get really into our spirituality or whatever you want to call it, and we get deep into it, we can jump timelines, we can jump dimensions, we can forget about timelines and it starts blurring. And you start seeing things that aren't necessarily in our physical 3D world. So pay attention. Don't be scared. Don't let it in your house. It's like, you know, you're not coming to my house, get the heck out. But don't be afraid of it. Recognize it as a part of yourself that's opening up that you're seeing a part of yourself. When I was younger, and I'm remembering these stories now as I'm sharing them with you, which are so much fun to me, and I'll, I'll get more organized with my storytelling, I promise, maybe. Um, I remember being up on the stairs. So we, had, we lived in a two-family house, so the bottom floor was tenants, and then we lived on the upstairs. And I was on the staircase way up, and we were all jumping off the staircase because, you know, that's what kids did back then, and nobody stopped us. So I was up on the staircase and I jumped down and this huge flash of light went off and it was by where the basement door is and by where the tenant's door was and nobody saw it. Just remembering this now, nobody saw it. 
And I remember saying to all my friends, oh my goodness, did you see that flash of light? Did you see it? Did you see it? And they were like, what flash of light? And I was like, nobody saw that flash of light. And it wasn't like they weren't, we were all playing, like taking turns, watching everybody jump off the thing. You may start remembering the things that happened to you when you were a kid, but you didn't give them any credibility because everybody around you was like, what are you talking about? What did you, what do you mean? What did you see? It's moments like that when I remember them that I'm like, wow, this is so cool. We're not alone. And all along, they've been trying to get my attention, your attention. And when, they, when I finally leaned into my guides and I leaned into talking to them on a regular basis and um, really communicating with them and wow, do they give me information that is unbelievable. That's when I recognized we really are not alone. And we have an incredible support system that's always there for us, always. So one of my, um, I don't remember readings, like I've said to you before, but people were recurring clients and they would come back and they would share stories with me when you said blah, 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 and this happened. So I had one client I was reading on a regular basis, and um, I'm going to share this with you for those of you who are readers. So I would never allow readers, people to get dependent on me. They always had to go. When people said to me, when can I come back again? I would say, you have to make a change in your life, otherwise you're going to get the same reading. To me, the readings are always the beginning of the journey. They're not like the end. They're not the middle. It's the beginning. You sh My goal was when you left, I was a future reader, so I read a lot about future. When you left my readings, I gave you a lot of homework in the reading. It was up to you to then take what you like and leave the rest, because that's super important. You're, you're in control of your life. Take what you like, leave the rest, and then do some of that stuff and live it to make your life even more colorful and what you wanted it to be. So I had one woman in front of me and her father came in and he handed me, and this is a clairvoyant thing, he handed me a fishing pin, but it was upside down. So I could see the pin part, right, when a pin is upside down, but I knew it was a fishing pin because he kept saying it's a fishing pin, it's a fishing pin. And he put it in my hand and he had me hand it to her. And I said, with my hand outstretched, He's giving me a fishing pin. It's upside down. He wants you to have it. So she knew me enough to trust that message. And she went home to her mother and she said, do you have any of daddy's stuff? And she's like, no, I got rid of everything. But the woman knew to trust me enough that, and to not trust her mother. So she went into her mother's drawers and she started searching. And what did she find? The fishing pin upside down. So it was moments like that, and I, I really, you know, maybe some of my clients will come around and start giving me more stories so I could remember them. But it's moments like that that I, I teach my students not to hang their hat on what people think about them. It's really important that you are in touch with your own guides, you're in touch with your own um, source, energy, whatever it is that you're reading from. And there's too much for me to share about that right now, about what I teach that I feel is important. But I don't hang my, I, I learned early on not to hang my hat on whether you loved me or didn't love me because it's just not a great place to read from or work, do this work from. You have to do it from spirit and from your connection to your soul and connection to your guides. That's the way I teach. But that was one of those moments where I was like, because it was very early in my career and I was like, wow, that's cool. That's really cool. I'm so glad. And it was moments like that that led me to believe wow, there is something so much greater than us out there. Because a lot of my readings, people didn't know what I was talking about, a majority of it. You always have to, you definitely had to say stuff that they understood so that they could trust you. But a majority of mine, since it was future or based in an experience from a deceased loved one who was telling me something you didn't know, they would go back to their relatives and find out, oh, Aunt Margaret really was important.
And I loved those clairvoyant um, images like that that became truth that I was told, oh my goodness, this, I found this thing. And it helped me to realize even more so because I was a skeptical medium, even though I was doing the work. Uh, it helped me to like realize, wow, there's something so much greater than me out here. There, it really is. It's out there. When I say I was a skeptical medium, I haven't gotten into the story as to how I got to this work and how it happened. I, I've got to the story about how spirit showed up to me. And there's so much more still to tell you about all of that because it was such an incredible time that actually took over my life for a while and took my breath away in a way, but gave me new breath. And... I was skeptical because I feel for me, and I remember a medium saying this to me, she said, you're a really skeptical medium, but it's good. You put your guides to task and they know it and they like it and they're okay with it. I needed that in order to do the work that I do today, to really stand in the power of what I do and teach. And it was just really so beneficial for me to start out that way. And I, like I told you before, I record all my channel sessions because I don't remember them. So I have hundreds of recordings and a lot of them are still on digital recorders that I need to upload to my computer. And when I'm going through a tricky time, Spirit will sometimes say to me, my guides, go to that recorder over there, and I have about four or five of them, go to file number three, recording number seven, random, I don't remember any of this, and I'll put that recording on and I do this work. And it blows me away to hear the things on that recording that came true. Now, some of that we make come true because we hear something, whether it's in a reading or from your own guides or in your own heart, and it rings so true for you that you do, you, you believe it and you make it come true. Some of it is stuff that I wouldn't have even known, or it, it just was like, I can't believe that it happened that way. And it's moments like that, and I've had so many of them, and I share these with you so that you can have them and trust that there's something out there so much greater than us that is supporting us on this journey. So clairvoyancy, pay attention to the repetitive symbols, and know what they mean to you. One of the questions, two of the questions you can ask yourself when you see a repetitive symbol is, what was I thinking about before I saw the symbol? Because it's answering a question. It may not give you the full answer, but that's a whole other teaching moment. What was I thinking about when I saw the symbol? What do I feel about it? What do I feel about it? And um, what's my memory of it? What's my memory of it? I believe I talked a bit about ants. I'm going to have to take really good notes about these podcasts or I'm just going to repeat things. So... Repetition's good, Spirit just said, because um, it teaches you again and again. We learn through repetition. This is not a language that you learn just by trying it on one time. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes who you are. So um, not really sure what next episode's going to be, but I'm sure we're going to start introducing some of the ghosts that I've met. And we will do that talking a bit about empathic ability empathic ability so who can it be now let's open the door and see i'll see you next time remember if you like this podcast to subscribe share it and rate it thank you so much for listening